This is John Stepling, and this is Aesthetic Resistance, uh, and this is podcast number 50. I feel like we should have had a party or something, but um, this is number 50. Anyway, with me, Hiroyuki Hamada in New York. Hi, Hiroyuki. Hi, John. Uh, Varun Matha in India, th- in New Delhi, yes. Uh, Johan Edebo in Uppsala, I believe, right now. Yeah, good evening. Good evening to you. And Corey in Toronto. Hey, Corey morning good afternoon, everybody. Hi. See, I didn't say your last name because it's just like <laughs> Corey is enough. Okay. <laughs> kind of like Liberace or something. Right. Um, anyway, um, I, I just wanted to mention, because I, I did get a few emails, really nice emails, from listeners again this week, uh, and we had provided some links last time, including um, a really interesting lecture uh, video by Ernest Wolf, the German economist. And I wanted to touch on that a little bit as a, as a place to launch into this discussion tonight. Um, because the the people that wrote me all mentioned it and that it that it was so useful for them um and kind of uh clarified the the architecture of of this global restructuring economic restructuring and and it is important because you get a better sense of the the forces that um, the coercive forces, the forces of coercion uh, that, are, that are at work with smaller national states, with Norway, Sweden, whoever, um, and, and African states and so forth, that, that you have these asset managers, you have the digital financial empire, in a sense, Wall Street, and, and, and all of the people that control this just you know breathtaking amount of wealth and uh and that the plan which you know was sort of filtered through and driven by um if not partially created by klaus schwab and the world economic forum and this idea of a future that is the you know the build back better future in which we have a cashless society and a universal basic income and all of these, you know, these ideas that are marketed with slogans marketed in a way to make them appealing because, and probably very effectively because I run into people here who, who always say, well, but that, you know, that sounds good. That sounds like an improvement. And I, and I think it's important to point out to people how, how really um, destructive and frightening that imagined future is. I mean, just a cashless society that everything is all transactions. There's a record of all transactions. They're all digital. That means there's no gray economy. That means you can't um, be paid off the books. You can't loan anybody money. You can't... uh, there, I remember having a conversation once with Eddie Bunker, the late Eddie Bunker, the writer, um, and and he said one of the things the man is trying to do is to prevent anyone from starting over. 
that you can't just take five thousand dollars that you know you won in a poker game and flee to costa rica and and start over as somebody else you know the french foreign legion um uh idea which by the way i don't think they have it anymore but i almost joined the french foreign legion when i was 21 um you sign on for five years i think it was five years you know and you can sign up under any name you want there's a lot of john smiths in the french foreign legion uh and they send you out to you know uh western sahara or djibouti or somewhere and you do five years in the french military and you return to France as a French citizen under this invented name, and that's it. I, that sounded wonderfully appealing to me at the time. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but that's, that's the kind of thing that will all be gone. It's all going, you know, and with mm -hmm. one, you know, mouse click, uh, you can be cut off from everything. Uh, and there's just like, the state has absolute control if everything all transactions are to be digitalized and and recorded and it's a it's a kind of nightmare scenario not to mention that universal basic income will mean the the pauperization of of the working class essentially um johan yeah yeah and also the the digitalization also implies this this colonization of all levels of human experience at a basic level so i think that's also very very important to discuss uh how the the technology kind of introduces it itself at, at every every facet of experience yeah. i have this this introduction and like overview on on the developments in cryptocurrency that, that i think are relevant here I, I could do that now if you'd like yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, okay, sure. So, so Varun sent me this this link about uh, a virtual Earth project, which I'm very tired. So let's let's see if I can keep this together. It's it's a kind of digital project where the idea apparently was to to create this virtual replica of the globe, where you can buy and sell this digital real estate, kind kind of like how how internet addresses were a hot commodity twenty years ago. But this has the added dimension of a, you know, sort of owning a plot of land in an online multiplayer computer game, if if that makes sense to you. Uh, and apparently, the, this sort of thing is right now becoming rather huge in the world of uh, cryptocurrency, because you you create these kind of virtual realms they call metaverses which may sound cool, but that's really a misnomer. And <clears throat> digital real estate and assets are then bought and sold via cryptocurrency in, in this, this realm. And the method you, you do this by is, is you create these unique digital proofs of ownership via blockchain. And then these proofs or, or certificates are then traded using cryptocurrency. They, they mainly use this Ethereum currency because apparently it's it's programming is is very much compatible to, to these digital certificates and they're known as non-fungible tokens or, or nfts and non-fungible simply means that these certificates are, are unique in some sense they're not interchangeable just like like one dollar to another so so assume that all of us here are, are 
we're playing a video game where you can build these little farms and maybe you can work for a few real life days to to improve the soil or something level up the crops so they become more useful according to some in-game metric and then add that these digital assets can be bought and sold with some kind of real currency then the game mechanics will also generate scarcity and thus demand. So, so maybe I, I want to buy John's plot of land in game because he has worked at developing that for a couple of real life days, rather than just, just doing it myself. And and this this may sound kind of silly or trivial, but but then you read that this year the non fungible token for a, a digital artwork was sold at Christie's for for sixty nine million US dollars. It, it's kind of not funny anymore, and that that token bestowed upon the owner the right to, to digitally display this digital piece of art in a virtual metaverse. So, so it's really, and I've, I've just peeked into this very weird world of, of crypto. And it seems that right now there's this scramble among grifters and gamblers and all kinds of more or less legitimate investors to make a quick profit off, off of this this magical world of the decentralized digital asset, because now you can properly speculate in something like stock or shares related to these, these NFTs in an entirely deregulated environment. And it has a kind of a total market cap, I think around 2 trillion US dollars, while the, the New York Stock Exchange is valued at 15 trillion. So it's, it's kind, of, kind of growing. And uh, to, to sum up, I mean, I, I've, I think it's strange that there are basically no real assets at the bottom of all this. It's not energy, it's not resources, it's not shares in an actual corporation. Some of the crypto stocks, so-called, are intended to provide some innovation or software solution, but they are in the minority. Uh, so, so it seems to me like this, this huge Ponzi scheme, while everyone is also kind of aware of this fact, uh, which is also paradoxically kind of being marketed with these dazzling promises of the blockchain magic that will create this self-governing digital democracy free of the profiteering middlemen of classical capitalism. So I think it's kind of a deliberate bubble within the bubble that is crypto as such, because the value of cryptocurrencies is kind of conjured. And the NFT market is also conjured out of thin air with tokens that have no real value whatsoever and whose growth then further expands the nominal value of the, the cryptocurrencies. And maybe you want to chime in here, Varun, uh, because I think you know a lot more of this about the subject than I do. No, I think you basically summed it up pretty well. I just like one observation is that um, considering how disconnected general populations in cities and bigger towns has become from the process of generation of objects from real world natural resource. This kind of NFT exchange on a virtual blockchain is so troubling in that sense because it, it kind of, it puts the cognitive map on a, it adds another layer of separation to real yeah, world entirely. Right. So this is the it's like you're going into the next level of hyperindulgence in that sense, because I mean, in the sense, like I, I saw one um, ad for buying a pair of sunglasses, virtual sunglasses for 900 US dollars. 
right? And what what are you going to put that on? I mean, I can I can still understand that there is a virtual art gallery where you can go and see this art piece, which is only available virtually. But be able to buy a pair of sunglasses for nine hundred dollars, which you can never actually wear. What are you going to do with that? And, <laughs> you know, like it's just it's this kind of absolutely inane habit creation that is occurring because of crypto and because of this idea that somehow your privacy is going to be um, safe and that it's decentralized. It just doesn't make sense to me that it's decentralized because the habits that people are spending this money on have not changed, mm, right? right? So it doesn't matter what currency you're using, whether it's cryptocurrency, or, I mean, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever you're using, you're still going to buy the same shit which is still going hmm. to do the same problem, create the same problems in real world situations. So this, like the entire debate about how crypto is going to decentralize the banking industry, I really don't care much about that, to be honest, because ultimately it's about the behaviors that have been created and on top of that, on top of that you're creating kind of a hyper-indulgent uh, habit on top of that. So, yeah. You know, it reminds me though, I, I, I mean, just one very quick, kind of banal observation is this is a bit like um uh fantasy football and fantasy baseball and these things that people you know spend inordinate amounts of time and energy in and if you i have talked to um fantasy football uh aficionados who talk as if they are managing a real football team. I mean, it's disturbing um, because you're not sure at all where reality begins or ends for these people. So, so you know, this has this has been trending this way for a while. And I was thinking um, the other day also that that uh, the, when I first lived in England, I remember being really amazed. This is 30 years ago, 35 years ago that um, you needed a license for your television set. And I was thinking about that today, that that was a kind of precursor, you know, that with all of these trends were have already been in motion for a long time. Um, Corey, yeah. I think I have something to add to this. Hang on, if I can just find it again. Um, I came across this little piece when I, I'm working on a new article right now about ID 2020. Um, which is now rebranded, repackaged into the Good Health Pass. And it's about um, digital identity for every person on the planet um, by 2030. Anyway, in researching this article, let me just find it. Um, okay, so uh, Freedom as a Service Economy. So the New Digital Feudalism and the Future of the City by, and I won't pronounce this um, person's name right, unfortunately, but I just came across it more, and maybe perhaps you three or four. Um, how many are on this call today? Three others are familiar with this author, Mor Morozov Evgeny. Evgeny? Anybody? <laughs> Not me. No? Okay. So in Freedom as a Service, Texmo's Formidable, um, Formidable Critic, for me, Dabla, I can't say that. Maybe your guy can write, you can um, cut that out or not. Anyway, I never claim to be French. Um, this author identifies a new stage of capitalism, organic capitalism, a system that is happy to admit its own failures while unleashing more capitalist solutions to them. 
Under organic capitalism, platform populism enables a multitude of solutionist interventions while also creating the illusion that the users are in charge. Um, the author argues it's the left that is most susceptible to this Trojan horse as technocratic approaches are combined with the do-good rhetoric of a more humane capitalism. But solutionism doesn't really solve problems, it simply monetizes the behavior change of an individual. We are actually underproducing solutions because the sort of structural solutions that are not favorable to capital never come into existence. Spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 there's so many things that, that, <clears throat> that are tied into that, actually. Um, I, I wanted to mention two, and I meant to at the beginning in relation to that Ernest Wolf video too, because, you know, things like in Norway are, are somewhat returning to normal in terms of, um, you know, social distancing, mask wearing, that kind of thing is all gone. Um, and and uh, I think the borders are about, at least to the other Scandinavian countries, the borders are about to be opened. For how long that lasts uh, remains to be seen. But, but Wolf pointed out how extraordinary it is that, and we've all talked about this for weeks and weeks and weeks, that entire countries are locked down, shut down because of one positive test result from a, a, a clearly unreliable test anyway. Uh, and, and, and that sort of thing continues. And, and I feel sometimes that I lose the, uh, touch with the reality. Corey, clearly you don't because you're in Canada, but that Biden asking for, you know, mandatory vaccination, that they are rolling out vaccination programs for children as young as five years old and uh that that this is just extraordinary i saw a, a photo of a a primary school in i i forget now perhaps it was wisconsin michigan um in which kids ate lunch in this kind of they had constructed these plastic boxes mm. that covered the children at their desk so they could eat I mean, it is, is extraordinarily insane. And everybody, all of us know, have, have experienced this out of control lynch mob mentality and, and um, you know, the verbal violence of, of the true believers on social media. And that's, that's mind boggling, frankly. I, you know, people wishing you were dead. And, and I mean, um, so, so, and all of it is, is there is a there is a great determination to to end debate and and discussion. That's not that that's um, that's being normalized. The, that debate is a bad thing. That questioning authority is a bad thing. And and I wanted to segue into that Matthias Demet's article a little bit about the decline in the mental health of the West. And Corey mentioned earlier, that's probably not true of the global South. And I think, I think indeed it's probably not. We're talking about the educated West mostly because I think 
the the at least sort of lumping proletariat is is reasonably sane in comparison to um to the the educated privileged uh population in the west certainly in america anyway that 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 sense of you know a general dumbing down that education has become a caricature of itself and and self-parody that all of this i see it reflected in in hollywood in which characters are written that increasingly the characters are stupid the characters do stupid things um they say stupid things the writers are themselves not very good and so the whole thing feels there is this kind of like cognitive entropy going on it's distressing anyway but i wanted to get to that because i think i think demets mentions the the staggering number of um antidepressant prescriptions written in western societies and um and i think this is important to touch upon i also wanted to and i've meant to for a couple weeks that we more directly address this issue of why the left in quotation marks mm-hmm. um has been so uh suddenly so extraordinarily reactionary and um but and maybe it wasn't sudden that's that's a topic um because it it you know the the latest was that appalling article by gabor mate who i had always rather liked with some reservations I think I never trust anybody who gives TED talks. That's the problem. But but he wrote very, you know, quite compelling book on addiction and and it was very good. Um but but he and his his um irritating son have have come out, you know, as as pro vaccine mandate and criticizing anti-vaxxers in quotation marks and all of this. Anyway, um so there's a whole set of topics, Corey. Well, I just wanted to say, like, when we're talking about the focus on children um, for um, getting the shot, and we we saw that coming, we knew that was coming, we've talked about that for um, months on end, almost since inception. Anyway, here we are, it's right around the corner, Um, you know, Johns Hopkins has given out a new update today, and how close we are to giving injections to 5 to 11 year olds. This is all about if you go back to the um, April of this year to the World Economic Forum Global, Global Technology Governance Summit and um, the session on shaping the future of a data economy. And in that session, um, they talk about by the age of 18, the average person is defined by at least 70,000 data points, right? So these data points have to are to be monetized, right? Under the capitalist system right. um, with data. And they actually say in the session with data in in all of its forms becoming the most valued resources for human development, as well as the technological development, what are the most pressing governance priorities for data collection and usage? Well, that requires the global um, identity, right? Um, Identity for all the digital identity. And there's 1800, I mean, back when the World Bank started on this back in 2014, um, actually with ID 2020, um, they looked at I think the number back then was eight, 
1.8 billion people without um, ID, right? So under, of course, under the um, false pre pre pretense of, you know, oh, caring for the vulnerable, we have to protect these people, we have to give them um, identity so we can basically bring them into the system. But obviously, it's not anything to do with caring about vulnerable or impoverished people that they've impoverished, but it's about bringing them um, into their capitalist um, system, right? And so basically that's that's why the children. And so basically the goal, even before COVID was to assign everyone on earth um, a digital identity by 2030. Now we're in 2021. And with um, COVID that presents an opportunity that they actually, I mean, one of the partners of the Good Health Pass is, and I, D2020 um, is Gabby, the Vaccine Alliance. Um, Microsoft, Accenture, all Salesforce, all these same entities that were um, their founders of the Fourth Industrial Revolution Center, the, the first one. Now there's 12 or 13. I'm not sure how many at this point. So again, all of this is about the Fourth Industrial uh, Revolution architecture, getting it together, getting it put in place and digital IDs. Mm -hmm is is vital for everything to work right like that way it's like the umbilical cord between the person and the smart city digital id so the um, vaccine certificate or credential whatever you want to call it the vaccine certificate or credential will be required to obtain a good uh, or sorry a health pass right they're two different things and they don't call them passports they're clear in their white paper not to call them that they don't like the language and so credential um, certificate that enables you to obtain a passport. And because um, this is new and the whole globe is involved, it basically good health pass is like an umbrella that oversee, like almost like a government that oversees all the passes that will be brought into this same system um, or different systems that all intertwine. They're all interwoven at least for now and, and become harmonized. So that's what's, so that's, you know, really big element of the vaccine thing. That's the portal to digital ID, as well as what we've talked about lots of times, just about basically the foundation for um, biotech and, bio, and the bioengineering um, economy going forward. Um, <clears throat> Johan. Yeah, just to connect back to, to mental illness and so on. I, I think it was this Scottish psychiatrist, R.D. Lang, that... Uh, he considered um, the loss of agency and control and trust to be key in the development of of mental illness of various sorts. And this reduction of myself into kind of a commodified set of data points managed by by capital is kind of kind of just that I would say. And also to this uh, the the construction of the the virtual earth and the so-called metaverses one one of the goals stated goals in this this project is to kind of create this this superstructure that maps perfectly with the actual global uh, physical reality so you can wherein you can navigate with all these um, digital assets so, so i mean your digital passport would in in its essence, function as a kind of a token in in this virtual reality in practice, if if it would be implemented as a kind of digital ID, 
so these kind of things these kinds of things connect very strongly i think yeah i i i think that that what corey just said is is um i i i get the feeling a lot of people don't grasp the implications of this in in any way i mean people have really been sold on uh the the promise uh of technology that the the future is technological uh innovation and and that all problems are solvable i mean this is the enlightenment though of course i mean you know this all goes back to that 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 it is instrumental thinking as as the frankfurt school went, had it and and it is a it is a kind of tendency that has gotten much worse and and been um become almost pathological in a sense that that and and you know we now have a absolutely meaningless slogan trust the science which has you know it's interesting they put the in there right it's not trust science it's mm. trust the science i'm sure there was a wonk somewhere on madison avenue who suggested that and got a raise probably um i don't know hiroyuki well um yeah <laughs> <laughs> if i don't call on you people complain you know they say well i you know i i'm kind of trying to grasp the whole thing and understand what's going on but at the same time i'm i'm having a weird feeling about the whole thing um the thing is that we're talking about all these things uh, we notice uh, technology and the consolidation of power and the financialization and uh, uh, the fact that the uh, those handful of uh, corporations are actually owning uh, more more money than the uh, uh, EU and something right. like that you know so right. um, there is uh, urgency in the whole trajectory of what we are talking about, which is loosely expressed as fourth industrial revolution and associated uh, changes. Um, but at the same time, um, if we don't understand what's going on as an extension of um, capitalist trajectory, mm -hmm. there's a huge risk of um, using both the industrial revolution as uh, a, a scapegoat, you know, the, the, the demon, this uh, evil thing that we have to fight. And um, the, the people who are in charge at this moment would probably, you know, they, they would be betting uh, on both sides, you know, the, 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 the people who don't want those things and the people who would rather stay uh, as it is. Um, and nobody's talking about <laughs> like what we are talking about, you know, it's all the, uh, uh, the same thing, you know, the capitalism, uh, the accumulation wealth is creating this um, structure that um, domesticate people, uh, controls behaviors according to the norms and beliefs and um, uh, beliefs and uh, the values of the uh, ruling class. So we, we would interact freely 
uh, we would say things, but we are controlled by uh, big NGOs. We're controlled by the media. We're controlled by the uh, corporate politics, and um, uh, you know that's freedom. So, um, and the the new technology and decentralization would give us the freedom, but but that's gonna be the same situation it's mm. going to be this, within the same framework so we think we're free but as long as people are talking about um uh, solution is the vaccine and the solution is the ventilator uh solution is the uh whatever pushed by the uh, uh establishment um yeah you know this is really hard to talk about because there yeah, well, is I no um no option other than the status quo or opposing the future, mm -hmm. which is, you know, horrible, you know, as we know. Well, so. I think if I am just going to jump in, because I know Johan wants to say something, too. It's almost like because I think this is a really a cogent observation, an important one. Um, in one sense, you might argue if you were to get all Wittgensteinian about it, that that the problem is the idea of solution itself um, because this is baked into a, a, a structure of thought of reason that has been so thoroughly instrumentalized and and then we can talk about the way people posit or or have a, an idea of in quotation marks the future um, yeah. And progress, you know, I mean, progress, people, it's just the backdrop to nearly everything and every every uh, discussion that is at all kind of theoretical or political, the, the backdrop, you know, the sort of um, basso ostinato back there is progress, 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 progress. Um, and, and, you know, I always think of Walt Disney's, you know, of, of Disneyland and future world, you know, where I went as a kid. I wasn't called future was future. I, what was it? It was something like that. And it was, you know, it was like the Jetsons. Everything mm -hmm. was kind of the Jetsons. And, and, uh, and that has an extraordinary hold on yeah. the Western imagination, I think still. Um, and I think still there are a great many people that simply think of all of this as a digital Jetsons uh it's it, it's and so so the the discourse is narrowed is ever is ever more narrowed and and in a sense controlled i mean it you know you look at the 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 um colonizing of certain words you know um, um fascism communism totalitarianism all of these words now are being trotted out on social media by people who are just morons i've never read a you know a, a, they've read maybe two magazines in their life i don't know um but but they pontificate because that's part of what social media does is allow people to have opinions and and they shop around for opinions and they buy this opinion and they identify with that opinion because they're a savvy shopper and then they express that opinion with a kind of blood curdling sadism often and 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 so that's where we are and and this is a, all a great distraction because meanwhile um there are events happening in in the real world that are 
completely mystified. Um, Johan. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you completely. And, and as you said in the beginning, I mean, I, I would say that progressivism and, and the, the reductionist worldview are kind of auxiliary or supportive ideologies of the capitalist structure. And I, I think your points were, were very important here, Yuki, uh, because I, I think this this whole idea of virtual reality and digital commodities are, are in a way attaching us further to unreality and they, they disconnect us from, from nature and reality. And as Varun said, they bring no real decentralization because we simply here reproduce an even more entrenched pattern of, of commodity fetishism that ties us closer to the centers of power in the capitalist structure itself. Um, Corey, yeah, I mean, I absolutely, but yeah. I sort of wanted to talk about hatred on the behavioral economics of hatred within all this, what we're speaking of. Um, back at the end of August, I don't think I mentioned it before on our podcast, mm. but podcast, John, um, the Toronto Star on the front page had, I mean, this, they were stirring up genocidal rage um, in the media here in Ontario. Um, and I remembered back in 2012 writing about um, psychology of hatred when I was working on a series on Avaz and how they would um, round up people basically to, you know, demonize um, Syria, to demonize Libya, to, uh, you know, um, basically create an acquiescence uh, to go in and invade the sovereign um, countries. And so um, anyway, out of that series, uh, um, I had, yeah, I, I just want to read this because I think it's sort of powerful. You have to investigate the supply of hatred. Who has the incentive and ability to induce group hatred? This pushes us towards the, toward the crux of the model. Politicians or anyone else will supply hatred when hatred is a complement to their policies. And then it was just interesting this, in, just in the past few days actually, um, one of, one of my daughters was sort of a victim of this online hate campaign against these small businesses um, in the city of London. And um, this person basically posted three questions. Basically, do you, are you, um, have you been vaccinated um, for, your, for your business? Do your employees, are they forced to wear a mask? Are you um, vaccinated? And do you believe in COVID? And then she um, basically mentioned these these businesses that didn't believe, right? And they were, um, you know, they are they're non-believers. And it's this huge online witch hunt on Instagram, and you know, hundreds of people liking it and commenting, and it's absolutely incredible to watch, you know. And these businesses are small business, like one is Miller Miller Berry Farms, and they just hosted the front, what are they called, the frontline nurses, um, uh, had a huge gathering about a week ago to help the nurses who are being dismissed from their jobs because they refused to take the job, right? And so these are yoga studios, these are, um, you know, kombucha or, or kombucha makers. Um, you know, my, my daughter sells freezies since she lost her business, organic freezies, um, 1018, a little tiny cafe, but um, what are the others? Um, Pretty Natural, um, a little clothing store, Ilberry and Goose, I believe it's called. So the point is there's no hostility 
towards Amazon or any of these huge, um, you know, um, you know, any of these huge entities that have crushed the working class, right? Just crush them. No hostility there. And I just thought how interesting how they're drumming up this hatred and using it for their own purposes and how all these people have become, you know, victims of our own shared demise, really, um, instruments and pushing forward hatred and agenda. And it's just really interesting. Like, what if we put this energy to stopping the war machine, you know, into dismantling the system, destroying us and destroying our natural world? Well, I, yeah, I mean, you had told me about that bef before we started today um, earlier. And it is amazing. And I've seen other examples of that. I think everybody here has. And um, uh, uh, this goes back to, to this discussion of the decline in, in mental health. I, and, and this also is relevant to what Hiroyuki brought up, that, that uh, the, uh, uh, everything that we are seeing under the aegis of, of the pandemic, the COVID event, whatever you want to call it, uh, all of the, the indoctrination the 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 uh, the way in which at least a certain segment of the population, a certain class, the hot bourgeoisie perhaps, has been be behaving the 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 cyber lynch mobs, the it just extraordinarily um, extraordinary sadism and and anger, rage that um, violent images and death threats and stuff, you know, and and you had the Obamas former education um, guy, what's his name, Arn, I forget his name, uh, to comparing the unvaccinated to the Taliban. You know, it's it's amazing. But but the point being that I think so much of this, we one would be ad, well advised to to look at the precursors, look at the conditioning that has gone on for uh, for 40 years, 50 years, the way in which mass media, electronic media, then, then the internet and social media on the, you know, these various platforms of, of, of electronic media, the way in which wealth was further consolidated. Um, and, but that in Hollywood, I mean, you could track some of this through, I mean, it would be an interesting thought experiment to, to pick certain films from each decade and look at uh, the way in which certain values were being expressed, what what heroism meant, what loyalty meant, what courage meant, what love meant, what you know empathy meant, um, from decade to decade, because you because you're going to see, uh, I think, significant changes. One of the one of the kind of cultural fulcrums was was Reagan's second term, the beginning of Reagan's second term began a, a, an open destruction of uh, education, uh, a, 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 a sort of revanchist nationalism that took hold, um, militarism was, was renewed, because uh, there was this funny, there was this funny lull after Vietnam, and, and you see it in all the films in Hollywood, the post-Vietnam, there was a whole series of really, for Hollywood studio films, very good films that came out from from 
who will stop the rain to to um oh what's the uh, see my mind is going cutter and cutter and bone which i think the film was called cutter's way um uh, rolling thunder etc etc that that these were the post-vietnam malaise films in which suddenly militarism and and jingoistic nationalism was being questioned and 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 people were raising issues with it and it was seen as personal tragedy was embedded within it that it there was a pointless you know mass bombing of this very poor nation in southeast asia and etc 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 and and that but that that window shut very quickly and and uh you you know we ushered in the rambo um decade in a sense uh rambo as the as the um 80s version of dragnet in the 50s or something in terms of of you know cultural style points or something um but i don't know because today it is the 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 intellectual cultural landscape is so barren is so denuded and and depressing um and and part of it though is is this decline in mental health this rise in anxiety uh acute anxiety depression and we see people in isolation i mean philip k dick wrote books about metaverse you know the three stigmata of Palmer Eldridge was it's going to look like a book of prophecy um, because because that's what he saw. The, a bunch of people addicted to their um, their screens playing drugged and playing in their own private metaverse. Um, yeah. Anyway, Johan. Oh, sure. Let me just continue here. <laughs> I, I, I was uh, I was driving last week, and I was thinking about how how, how this consensus reality is is created in in a society and maintained. I mean, you know, this this tacitly agreed upon perspective about how the world works, what's what's true and what's not, what's useful and reliable, and so on. The, the this idea of consensus reality overlaps a lot with with that of worldview, as as I speak of. But but I I would say that. You know, the formation of a consensus reality, or, or perhaps I should say the individual's introductions into it, it's much more akin to entering a stage play or, or taking part in a, in a complex interactive game rather than it's like the, this careful rational examination and evaluation of, of propositions. At least that's how we normally function. It's this basic heuristic of social orientation. So when you grow up in a society or when you learn a trade, you, you, I mean, you access this field of information by assuming a role, by entering to, to a web of, of relations. I mean, you, 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 can't, you can't rationally go through every bit of information, so we have to read between the lines, we have to interpret symbols, relationship, and, and cues, and to, to navigate the, the, the agreed-upon reality. And I think this is key for understanding how how the dominant worldview is maintained through this kind of kind of a culture of propaganda, a comprehensive culture that kind of emerges with the reproduction of this worldview and then maintains it. So you, this can't be really argued against for the most part, but you must address it through carefully developing an efficient counterculture on many levels. 
Yeah. Well, that boy, you know, it, it strikes me often that that we live in a in a culture of dilettantism. Mm-hmm. Um, um, culturally, the loss of the, the avant-garde, the loss of the counterculture, uh, alternative press, all of that has led to, it's just strange when I, I read threads sometimes on social media about, about old films or different artists or somebody died, Belmondo died, um, and, and people make these observations um, that are factually wrong. You know, yeah. um, but they 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 want to somehow there's this a, a compulsive posting, you know, a compulsive. It's like it's like graphomania. It, I don't it, it, it it's it's empty, repetitive, incorrect, um, based on nothing, solipsistic. But but they do it anyway, all the time, constantly, because they're playing a kind of weird role in this private play that exists mostly in their mind i guess um and and that's that's where all of this this mass distraction is heading it seems to me in a sense you know the 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 because this goes back to what hiroyuki said there is i have that feeling too that that I sometimes like think I don't want to talk anymore about statistics um, because a I don't believe most of them. B I have no way any longer to verify anything I hear about how many people caught COVID, how many people died. All I know is that I don't know a single person who who died from it. I don't know anybody who knows anybody who knows somebody who died from it. I know one guy who claims to have had it, maybe, but it was never diagnosed. So, you know, and and so I can only I can only gather this informal anecdotal information that I have from people and then read government statistics. There's no excess mortality. There, you know, it's not the leading cause of death anywhere. Um, and and uh, clearly the government response, and this goes back to that Ernest Wolf video too, is massively disproportionate, just shockingly crazy, irrationally disproportionate to the actual illness. And yet you can go online right this second, go on Twitter and somebody will be saying, this is the most, you know, we are in a fight for our lives against the worst, you know, health pandemic, health crisis in world history. People will say that. And and where does one begin to you know that yeah. we're caught in this strange machine and I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to be in that machine. I don't want to argue those points with people who are, I think, mentally ill. Um, Corey. So one thing I, I have a lot of gratitude and just want to extend that gratitude to the people and, um, you know, that continue to resist, especially when they face so much hatred and, um, you know, such um, witch hunts online and, and even in real life. I mean, I've, I've actually never seen anything like it. And like you, John, I know no one personally that's died of COVID, but I do know personally three people this year that have died of fentanyl overdoses. Um, you know. Right, right. Yeah. No, and I know Not people. COVID, right. right, no, 
no, exactly. And, and again, that's, um, you know, a societal, societal problem. I, I wanted to ask Varun what's going on in India because I haven't had time to try to find out or look. I, I mean, I'm just not up to date and I just wondered what's happening there. If it, how much of the population has herd immunity? How much has, um, how much uptake there is for the shots? How much um, opposition at the farmers protests are still happening? Just what's going on there? Um, I don't know about, I, I stopped looking at the vaccine news because I think everybody's taking them. Around me, everybody that I meet has had either one or both the shots now. And um, I know only two other people in this city of like 25 million people and a rickshaw guy, like a rickshaw driver. Those are the two or three people that I know who have not taken it and don't plan to take it. And it's generally accepted idea that this has to be done. It's also because corporations are forcing people to keep their jobs. It's mandated by private corporations. So in a place like India where you don't have state support and you need to send your kids to school and feed your wife or whatever, I mean, like everybody's in one way or the other being forced to take them. If they had a choice, they would probably not take them because when you walk around, things are back to normal, except that everybody's still got these face masks on. Despite the fact that the Ministry of Health and Family Welfare has on their website said, anybody who is not ill does not need to wear a mask. But if you're standing in the market and smoking a cigarette, a cop is going to come walk up to you and try and fine you for that, for not wearing a mask. It's just so messed up. It's just, and nobody has the... Nobody has the time to go look for the information to say, yeah, I hate, like, I mean, the ministry is saying one thing, the police is saying another, what the hell is happening, right? Like, so nobody cares. It's all, everybody's in survival mode right now because people suffered very heavy losses in the last year and a half. And they're all just trying to make that back up. So that's right. the primary concern, right? Um, as for the, the farmers protest, there was a massive meeting in a, in a couple of towns Lots of farmers have gathered. It's now starting to get very politicized in the sense that one of the gentlemen wanted to launch a political party and he was kind of sidelined by the other leaders of the movement. And now there's a lot of skirmishes happening with different state governments with the farmers. And there's uh, three people who died in the riots between uh, clashes between the police and the farmers. One old man... Uh, was apologized to by two men who had actually beaten him up. So all of that is going on. Um, there are still people are asking for uh, state state governments are asking still for PCR tests, and some are saying now beginning to say that you need vaccination cards and all of that stuff. And then of course they're they're trying to float this health pass that that talk is already on in the newspapers and. The general acceptance has, unfortunately, it's sunk in. It's, it's done. As far as most of the population is concerned, it has been, quote unquote, the situation has been normalized. And that mm. is, it's terrifying to watch it happen because now if you go to a bar or a cafe and you start talking about this, you are a nutjob because you're the only person who's 
questioning any of this stuff really and mm. people laugh it off and they don't have <clears throat> they don't have and also i think it's I, i don't know maybe i'm um it might have to do with um how th- how the developing world works maybe because the primary objective always is survival and the secondary objective is to look at politics right and um so first and this ties in back to i think the education points that uh, uh somebody i think johan was talking about and you were mentioning and then thereafter the hyper indulgence that and um how capital is working like you you were saying in the sense that realization of the imagination and the function of the co- the cognitive function of the human is so debilitated because of such severe trauma and not just because of the last year and a half but also because survival trauma is so high that there is no emotional and mental space to analyze all of this for the general public yeah i think that's really um that's really important and and yeah i want to ask her i mean heroyuki in one second but i wanted to also throw this out for discussion too uh which is these corporations i mean, i know a lot of people in um in hollywood and los angeles i know people in new york who work um in media and and, and entertainment and culture in theaters uh they've all had to be vaccinated in order to keep their job uh people in education have had to be vaccinated to keep their job those corporations those businesses those um institutions i am curious maybe this seems like a, a stupid question in a sense but what are the mechanisms by which that arm twisting figurative arm twisting goes on do you know what i mean what what who told the people at this corporation or, or is it uh, simply this this you know out of control train hurtling towards mass consensus mm. mass obedience that simply has a life of its own and swallows up all before i think it's probably a combination but but i don't know um hiroyuki um i was uh thinking about what um johan was talking about uh um the importance of the uh, uh counterculture uh in um uh, developing um uh the momentum that um defies the uh, the the big mobilization not just the uh, what's going on right now but the general sense of uh domination um because um if we have a uh, solid knowledge of an institution uh whatever that is um you know art uh, uh uh play music um uh gardening wh- whatever um uh, when you have uh, organic relationships that are uh, mutually uh beneficial and people relate to each other according to facts um that's mm. a huge um um uh, momentum and and um i i think uh, opposing forces could be centered around something like that but then um if you think about that um 
the biggest institution that's gonna make big difference is political institution. Um, <laughs> um, but we, you know, when you realize that, we must realize how deprived we are in terms of uh, that. We can't even talk about certain kind of uh, social formation, uh, namely communism, uh, socialism, Marxism, and um, those traditional approach uh, to people-centered um, uh, understanding and uh, implementation. But those things are taboo. We can't right. even talk about it. I mean, you know, it, I, it, we know that's the social institution that's going to forward um, the momentum. I mean, Lenin said that, you know, the, the, the whole idea of uh, coming up with the, uh, 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 the vanguard for the uh, uh, Marxism and uh, all that ideas, those things are totally demonized and um, um, I mean, there's something to it uh, as we look at uh, the uh, experiences of socialist countries, but those things are, of course, as a result of imperialism uh, assault. Right, right. Uh, uh, the, uh, you know, so the counter revolution. You know, the, the, it, 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 we we really have to put everything on the table and be honest and discuss about these things, but at the same time. When we are being assaulted by um, um, losing our jobs, um, losing our positions in the society, um, it's a it's a tough thing. It's a, and we do have uh, uh, people, health professionals, the the people who know what's going on. They are opposing what's going on. So. Uh, you know, th there are things we could support and um, uh, things we could uh, cultivate among what we uh, are good at uh, as an artist, as, as a musician, uh, whatever, as a writer, you know, so. Well, um, I, you know, the, 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 the um, what the lockdowns did, of course, was prevent um, anonymous travel across borders, prevent limit restrict travel period, um, ban free association. People couldn't gather together and discuss any of this. It was very effective in terms of, um, of sort of eradicating any organized dissent. Now, the organized dissent happened anyway. We're seeing massive protests still eight weeks in a row in, in France. The streets of Paris are, you know, uh, bathed in tear gas. Uh, the state has come down very harshly in these protests. We, everyone has seen all the viral videos out of Australia with people being beaten in the Paris subway, that woman being beaten. Uh, it's breathtaking that this is, you know, that the, 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 this particular upper middle class bourgeoisie, American white, bourgeoisie and not even entirely that class but are um are having no problem with this at all they watch it and go well you know why don't you just go get vaccinated you know um it's like bill cosby with his old thing you know i shouldn't have stolen the pound cake um it it is 
it is in the U.S. the legacy of Puritanism, for one thing, and that it was a slave-owning society. I mean, it's extraordinarily a punitive culture. And the, the opposition, the hedge to that punitive, puritanical, unrepentant uh, plantation system was the counterculture, was you know, uh, uh, the avant-garde was black music, was was the arts, all the writers that the United States produced, um, extraordinary voices. But those voices are all gone. And this is one of the things that I find disheartening and disturbing. There may be people out there doing great work. I mean, I, there are, but I don't know how many. And it's hard to find them because this is what the, these platforms, um, electronic media does. It, this may be its greatest um, evil is that it is very effective at making dissent invisible. Mm. And, um, uh, you know, you can't, you can't, I mean, Google search is, is openly laughable at this point. Um, because they just they just disappear certain things you can you can try any combination of words you won't get to where you want to go believe me so so uh, what what is the strategy to be employed uh, against that I'm I'm not entirely sure because here we are on you know zoom um, and posting it on social media and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And I don't know what else to do. And lots of people hear us. We have a really pretty substantial um, um, audience at this point by, by my standards. But, uh, but this, I guess, goes back again to Hiroyuki's first comment that, you know, one, one is trapped, one is trapped and caught in this, this uh systemic quicksand as it were and uh there may not be a way out but but uh i think that is that is a very serious subject that that needs to be addressed because mm. um what varun said is true to you know that it's been normalized the narrative is normalized it's established it's that's that's it's history now this is what happened with covid it was this horrible life-threatening virus that only extreme government action and lockdowns saved humanity that's going to be the history and um the same as the history of the ussr has been rewritten or fidel castro or um, you know, the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, all of this has been rewritten, Vietnam rewritten, uh, and COVID is being rewritten in real time, in a sense, um, because it's all more effective than ever. And, and it's distressing, it causes me, um, uh, you know, a, a great deal of angst. All right. Um, but I, I think the, the mental illness question, the decline in mental health among Americans is, um, is a really germane topic. And, and um, if anyone has any additional thoughts on that, it would be good. But also on the Ernest Wolf, you know, to understand people have to have to not that the Wolf video is perfect because it's not. But but 
he you know he lays out the architecture of the reset and gives you you know these asset managers blackrock vanguard state street fidelity these wow. are the people corey has written about this for a decade you know um this is stuff that people have to learn about they really do they need to read the wrong kind of green they need to study this stuff because otherwise what we're saying makes no sense at all i think okay mm -hmm. who else has Johan? I have yeah, I have a question for Hiroyuki regarding the digitalization of, of art. I mean, sure, I think I think music and, and video in some sense can be digitized, but how how would you feel about like the the what does it do for you? What what consequences does this this morphing of the artwork into the digital world have, especially as you work in in, in a very tangible physical kind of art form? I think oh, it's I weird. Mean, yeah. Right. I mean, it, it, there is a uh, 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 sense of uh, truncating the uh, 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 the quality in certain ways. So in, in general, mm -hmm. uh, things would look graphic and uh, things would, um, um, I mean, things would be different, you know, just like the music mm -hmm. was represented uh, with a different medium, uh, uh, vinyl would produce mm -hmm. music music in certain ways, and uh, uh, the CD would do it in different ways. And uh, the uh, the whole field of music uh, have been depending on the uh, outlets and uh, the the digital digitalization of images and uh, proliferation of uh, art through. Um, uh, phones, you know, Instagram and Facebook and uh, mm -hmm. all those things uh, uh, renders uh, the quality um, in different ways. Mm -hmm. And um, in practical sense, it's been actually very, very interesting um, as we have lost the real uh, communities uh, because of uh, uh, how our society is structured, uh, we do have some sense of communities online. Like mm -hmm. I've um, got in touch with uh, quite a few artists uh, um, uh, who I wouldn't be um, uh, in touch if we didn't have any uh, social media platforms. So uh, there are good things, but at the same time, it's all done within this um, uh, 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 restrictions. So, I mean, for example, uh, uh, Instagram, um, you know, you can talk about certain things, but you can't talk about certain things. You can't talk about uh, things about virus, uh, you know, people would censor it. Uh, and uh, uh, the, uh, the platform itself would censor it sometimes. So, um, so again, it is, uh, there's a freedom, there is a uh, uh, sense of liberation because you can talk to anybody real time. Uh, but at the same time, everything is done within this framework. Uh, you can be shut down, you can be uh, deleted. Um, so, um, uh, well, I, yeah. I just wanted to add that, that because that's a good question from, from Johan, I think. Um, uh, I think the the effects of computer generated imagery cgi 
in film has been has been dramatic. The effect has been all to the negative as well. But but computer graphics, computer um, uh, drawings in for architects, architectural um, the world of architecture has changed because of computer renderings. Uh, even advertising, there was a wonderful um, site that actually, odd as it may sound, had collected all the early labels from Portuguese, um, anchovy, and uh, various canned fish. These, these, and they were all hand-formed letters, right? That that um, were were pre-computers. So these were these were. Um, hand-formed fonts on these labels and the designs were 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 sort of way outside anything um, from from big American Madison Avenue firms and they were splendid they were they were so wonderful that that I could not contain my glee when I found this site uh, so you and you see it in there is a crafts movement uh, that has grown uh, leather workers and metal workers and people making jewelry, M a lot of it to cater to the ruling class, but not all of it. And and at least there is a, a sort of uh, a, a, a connection to past aesthetics, a lineage to aesthetic history. Because one of the things that, that computer generated anything in terms of aesthetics, images and and um, fonts and uh, has done is 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 to simply destroy people's sensitivity to to difference and distinction and um, um, among images themselves, everything is being reproduced on this tiny screen. Instagram, um, like Snapchat and other, I mean, there is a quality of the ephemeral about it. Things disappear very, they are designed to disappear very quickly. Um, and so there is this banalization and, and um, transitory quality to, to images and, and people's presentations. And, and it's all connect. It's strangely narcissistic as well, because everything is kind of connected to you. Everything, Every choice you make is about your brand, um, you know, for which, you know, nothing is really generated. No, no product is generated. It's just it's just part of the it's it's that cryptocurrency thing again. It's it's everybody is turned into their own Ponzi scheme. In effect, in effect, it's it's bizarre. And and I am sure contributes to mental illness talking about it makes me feel crazy in fact Corey yeah I'm just adding on to sort of what I think you brought something up in there and that what um Haruki was saying about it, our relationships formed I mean at what point in the future you know is it where an algorithm or some sort of overseeing on committee makes the decision that perhaps it's not in the community's interest for Johan and Varun and John Steppling and Hiroyuki Madank wearing Morningstar to associate, right? And then that, um, you know, whatever on our digital ID or whatever, you know, that relationship is, um, just, you know, annihilated. 
I mean, that's right. sort of the future of that we're that we're moving into. And I just wanted to say, I mean, obviously this takes up so much of our time now it's happening because how could it not? But, you know, um, on the climate front, the biodiversity um, front, um, this ecological crisis that continues while we're all, um, you know, policing each other on masking and making sure everyone's, you know, um, going along with the narrative and the rules. Well, I, it just occurred to me in the last week, the similarities between this campaign and the climate campaign. Like um, basically what I found over the past 10 years was a complete disappearance of actual, except for like tiny, tiny indigenous groups and small, you know, more like anarchist groups that are, uh, exist outside of NGO sort of umbrellas, uh, land defenders. Basically, this whole, um, you know, what we call movements, which are instruments of foundations, you know, that are created by profits from capital, by corporations. And the whole climate thing, instead of protecting nature, it's um, basically a sacrifice of nature um, to save the climate, right? To mitigate climate, we're going to offer up more um, sacrifice in nature, such as mining oceans, which we've talked about. And just basically how the, the destruction of the natural world, um, how, how we've accepted that. And here we have sort of the colonization of nature. Now we have the colonization of our bodies. And sort of in the same way, we, um, the only solutions basically for nature and biodiversity crisis, climate crisis are technological market solutions. So now the only solutions for the quote unquote virus, um, you know, the pandemic are technological solutions as well. Biosynthetic bio um, biology, sorry. And basically pharmaceutical solutions, right? And again, um, just how nature actually doesn't need money. Nature doesn't need money to, to be healthy. It needs to be protected, right? Nature has never needed money. We just have to leave it alone, right? Which is not possible in, in industrial civilization in this capitalist global system. And so just these similarities, how now this is the same thing. It's not possible for us to um, nurture a health and have, you know, embrace holistic health and talk about mental illness and obesity and all these different things within our society that are making us sick. The only solution is Bill Gates and um, Pfizer, right? Yeah. Moderna, um, that, that's it. There's nothing else. And it's almost like pragmatism, which is like a big, you know, how NGOs frame everything. If you're not pragmatic and accept the narrative, then um, as Rune said, you're basically nuts, right? And you're isolated and you're shamed and you're um, put back into the corner. Mm, right. No, and I think, and and I think that, that you know, this is, this is also something that all of us in different ways have written about for a long time. I've written about it on, on my blog. The, the, uh, the the way in which uh, corporations completely absorb scientific research, you know, research is funded by corporations. 
uh, scientific papers are written with a specific result intended. They won't get published unless that result is the one arrived at. Uh, the, the idea of autonomous research is largely an illusion, but the idea of autonomy itself uh, creativity, imagination is becoming ever more illusory. Uh, I think the effects of, of, of the internet and social media are, are, are profound and pernicious. And, and I think that uh, we're seeing with, with the entire pandemic story, what frightens me the most is, okay, people are desperate for things to return to normal. Um, they've been profoundly, as Varun said, they've been so traumatized. And and a lot of people, you know, there's going to be, I don't know how many, 30 million eviction notices issued in the United States this week. Um, the homeless population is going to be, you know, unimaginable. So, it, and it is already, but it's going to like double soon. Uh, the that people want things to return to normal. So if the state and the system and Klaus Schwab and whoever, you know, Larry Fink and Mike Carney and all of these grotesque people, Bill Gates, throw certain kinds of bones to the public, even people who are critical of the pandemic story, are going to be so relieved to, yes, you can drive to Sweden now, John. It's okay. I, you know, I'll quickly drive to Sweden just because I want to get on the road and do something um, that I'll forget that was my right all along. You're not giving me back something. It was always my right. Uh, people are going to be, you know, overly uh, grateful for these crumbs from the master's table, essentially, and forget that they were entitled to these crumbs and the whole meal from the beginning, but they were illegally uh, withheld from them. So it, it's it's uh, it's like pimp psychology, really. You know, uh, uh, people have been threatened and and. Um, terrorized and traumatized and and immiserated over the last two years and now they're going to be given a you know assuming they're vaccinated assuming they're pious in their you know um uh, belief in this system and the build back better and the reset as long as they do all of that they will be thrown these bones and people will be overly uh, grateful and forget, uh, forget their, their, their opposition, their dissent, their critical faculties will go out the window because people are desperate for things to return to normal and they're going to forget what has actually happened over the last two years. Okay, final thoughts from people? Corey? It's the only like one big problem they have. The only way to um, make that work is for small business, which is still, even though there's been a lot um, destroyed and crushed, it's still um, hugely important. And they're depending on small business to enforce this. So the small business does not enforce it. They have a huge problem, a huge problem. 
and that's another reason why they, you know, just another reason why, um, in addition to consolidating, consolidating capital, they want these businesses gone, right? I mean, all the huge corporations are behind this. So it's just the small ones that they sort of have to force. I'm not even sure if it's legal to, to make small business be the enforcer of these policies, but regardless, they're definitely going to try it. And I'm not sure how that's working out right now in New York, because that's been what, about a month ago that they implemented that. And again, that's connected to the vaccine, what's it called, the vaccine credential initiative. These, these um, things are all intertwined, right? The common pass, the vaccine credentials initiative, everything happening, the, the coming pass in Ontario, the one they just put into Quebec, um, over um, parts of Europe, these all go right back to the same group of people, the very same group of corporations, um, about 125 now. And then at the top, again, Salesforce, Accenture, um, MasterCard, right? That's, they all go back to that. But essentially, yeah, just my last thought, um, they, you know, the only hope is to not comply. And that's why it's so important that we support those small um, businesses and groups and people taking a stand against this. You know, without this, these pockets of resistance, we, we'd be um, even more, more screwed than we already are. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Varun, Johan, Hiroyuki, last thought, last no, think, chance. I think I was... I was just thinking that um, the extent of dissociation of the of the general public with their own surroundings is absolutely astounding, and it it's it has proven itself over the last year and a half of how people do not trust their own experience unless they are told what the experience has to be. Right. And for me, I think that has to be. I think in our own communities, we have to find out how to untangle that problem. Because that is at the core of all of these connected problems, I think. I agree. Um, yeah, it, it, and that's that's been tonight's theme, hasn't it? Uh, the, 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 I've I've written that 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 in general, I think that the kind of the mass psychosis we all keep pointing to is disassociative. That there is a kind of general disassociative state that. Um, that contemporary society exists in. Um, Johan, anything? I don't think I can add anything to this. Thanks. <laughs> You're tired, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Well, then I'm going to wrap it up. Um, uh, I, I think uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It was just an election in Norway. Um, so the, the, the Nazis in power have been replaced with perhaps nicer Nazis. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how this goes. Um, it mirrors, you know, the, the, the U S where, you know, Trump was replaced. Everybody breathed a sigh of relief and in came Joe Biden. I fear that's, that's going to be, um, mirrored here, but, but we shall see. And, and, uh, it, it's just interesting to look back at the two years or however long we've been doing podcasts and, and revisit the earlier ones and, um, and, and see the, the, 
I mean, we were largely right about everything, but but the ways in which things have unfolded have often been surprising. I mean, you know, I think people need to at least try to find out the 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 number of fatalities and the number of hospitalizations due to the vaccine, because it's being obscured and and those numbers are being uh, made invisible as much as possible. But they're still getting out. And a lot of people have gone online and um, and talked about what happened to them after they they had the vaccine you know um that that's important the fact that the children this whole rollout for children is diabolical children don't need a vaccine even if this vaccine were a tested and proven one which it's not um you know uh it there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of stuff in the next six months as as relationships stabilize normalize everything is made to appear normal we're going to see the next stage of the reset and uh uh this kind of digital financial empire try to implement certain things universal basic income may be one when we see the homeless situation in the u.s uh which will skyrocket very very soon so we'll see anyway uh thank all of you hiroyuki yeah last thought well, I I just want to add that the uh, 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 despite all the uh, 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 the harsh uh, reality we were facing, um, um, we could say that this is also uh, an opportunity to actually look at the system in action because um, it really comes down to uh, 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 instead of looking for solutions within the framework, we need to question the framework itself. And uh, this is a great time to look at it and see how it's doing what it does. I think that's gonna be my, my next blog post is going to be on the subject of solutions. Uh, the way in which that shapes uh, how people think and 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 the the logic the the logic of the solution um because you're right but it's but we're having a hard time articulating it in a sense because because we need a whole new uh vocabulary and a, and a whole new uh you know decolonized language rectified set of terms or something we shall see anyway okay thank all of you very much thanks to jack Littman out in la who will get this up and um uh i will talk to you all again soon Corey hiroyuki varun johan thank you mm. thanks thank you.